0: We enter any new relationship with patterning from the past, whether it's childhood or adulthood or both. And that patterning creates predetermined automatic beliefs about what we're responsible for and how we navigate mutual responsibility.
1: Welcome to The Art of We, the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and executive coach.
0: And I'm Dr. Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the
1: world lies inside the health, security, and depth of our relationship. On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever, and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place. Before we get into today's topic, we're excited to let you know that we're gonna be sharing some of the specific tips, tricks, products, things we do, things we use that really help us stay connected and on mission and optimized and healthy, we're going to be doing that through using our newsletter. We've found that it's a little bit too hard to try to share all of it on a podcast and and let you know exactly what we're doing and how and why. So if you're interested in finding these extra things, then you can go to our website to sign up for our newsletter. You can go to KristaVanderveer.com and you'll get set up there. So, today's topic is about another agreement that you, Will, and I have made, and we actually stood on our, what would you call it, marriage rock. <laughs> we kind of got married on a rock, but we, we stood and we made this a vow, and it's been a game changer for me inside of relationship for many reasons, which we'll get into. So, Will, do you want to share the agreement? Sure.
0: So we have committed to true mutuality and true responsibility.
1: Yes. So it's a really mutual mutual responsibility that we have committed to, which includes equality and a mutual power inside of our relationship. So at a very high level, it's really about both of us taking real responsibility, equal responsibility for basically everything that occurs inside of our relationship. And taking responsibility for the outcomes, for the successes, for the failures, and neither of us can kind of you know wiggle out of saying, "Well, that was that wasn't my fault," you know, or "We didn't we didn't uh, succeed there because uh, of you or whatever the thing might be." But it's actually really truly a mutual agreement. How else would you describe this agreement? Before we get into an examples and challenges and all that.
0: Well, building off our last episode, we were talking a little bit about the difference between a fully integrated we that we're creating versus supporting each other in separate silos. This particular agreement, I think, really knits us together in the kind of we that we want to create.
1: Yeah. So I would say in previous relationships, and I think that you can speak better to this because of your Buddhist background, but There was a way that it was like, okay, you're doing your thing, or you have these injuries or wounds from your childhood, and they're popping up here in our relationship. So, why don't you go take care of that with a therapist or go sit on the cushion and figure that out? And uh, we'll come back together and see what you figured out. And good luck in some way, you know. But really, this is the opposite of that of saying to each other, well, this injury, you know, might be mine but together we're holding it as ours so that we can integrate it and heal it together
0: yeah the injury might be yours as in it happened to you or it happened or if it's my injury it happened to me but yeah we're holding it together just to elaborate the the comment you made about buddhism for one minute there's a really interesting clash i would say between psychology and buddhism around the word attachment and so if you've studied With a Buddhist teacher, then you've probably heard that in Buddhism, the root of all suffering is attachment. Mm. So, being attached to a particular outcome or being attached to something that went away, Mm. right? In psychology, the word attachment refers to potentially healthy interpersonal interdependence. And so If you see a Buddhist couple therapist like I did in a previous relationship, you might hear the message that your attachment to your partner is a neurotic kind of fucked up way to look at your partner, that you should just be self-responsible for your own suffering, your own injuries, and you should really let the other person deal with their own injuries and quote unquote be themselves without imposing any expectations or uh, needs or wishes onto them.
1: How did that work out for you? (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I you know, different strokes for different folks, you know, maybe yeah, that totally. works that can work for some people, but it wasn't the kind of relationship that I knew I wanted. And um so here we are practicing a different way here.
1: Yeah. And I'm I'm joking, you know, I do believe that there are different strokes for different folks. So thank you for saying that. And we're just doing something very different in this yeah. moment. So I like what we're doing a lot better. <laughs> I prefer it too. <laughs> So just to also say the thing about, you know, taking true mutuality and mutual responsibility also means, just to kind of flush it out a little bit more, is that, you know, if you and I are, let's say, on a project together, that we're also taking responsibility and we're also willing to name the things that we see as potential breakdowns happening, or when we see or feel something's not going right, that it's part of our responsibility to speak up and work through it together. It's not just this kind of like hope that it's going to work through it or, or Will's going to be, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but I think I want to, maybe I'll just use an example. Sounds great. Are you open again getting, getting into our examples about how this works for us? Let's do it. Okay. So when we bought our house right now, the house we're living in now, it has a very steep driveway. It's steep and it's curvy. And the previous owners had told us that you need to bring your garbage and recycling cans all the way down this steep and curvy driveway and put them down there. And there was like, you know, I was kind of in a negotiation process with myself of buying this this house and like, what is it going to mean? and What's it going to take? And so I said to Will, I said, okay, like, I am willing to buy this house together if you take care <laughs> of the garbage. And you also do the snow, snow plowing, but by the way, that's just another thought. But so in that moment, it was kind of like, you're going to be responsible for this. I was saying that to you, but I wasn't holding it really as a we responsibility when I said that, because I was just like, I'm willing to do it, but you're going to do that thing that really sucks, you know? And so as we're getting into living here and getting into our routines, you know, the garbage and recycling comes every Wednesday morning. And there is a part of me when the garbage doesn't get taken out that wants to just be like, well, screw him. We'll see if he, you know, he'll have to just take care of it. It's going to pile up in the garage and then he'll just have to deal with all of it and blah, blah, blah. You know, and there's another part of me, which is the more adult part of me, which is totally on board with this agreement, you know, and the one that's really leading me that says, well, maybe our systems aren't set up right, you know, and maybe that there is like a way that we can figure this out together that I'm not going to be over here pouting about it or just leaving it up to you, but we're actually going to figure it out together. So we did. We ended up setting an alarm on your phone. (laughs) That helps you remember.
0: Yeah. I really needed that, that support. It didn't take very long for me to forget. To put the trash (laughs) out (laughs) after we moved in here. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But, but even then it's like, if we have extra trash or extra recycling and it's like a couple trips up and down, like, I'm like, wait, you know, I want to come help. Like this isn't, you know, I don't want to just leave it on you. And
0: Hmm.
1: not that every single little thing has to be a we responsibility experience, but it's just like, there's a couple different mentalities about if we're taking true responsibility or mutual responsibility or not.
0: Right. I mean, it felt really good over here that you suggested an alarm on my phone because that took it out of my mind, you know, out of my list of things to try to remember, Yeah, which that doesn't go very well, I've found.
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then we're not just talking about tasks inside the house, but I think roles and responsibilities is a big topic around mutuality inside of a household. Child care or pet raising is another area. Finance is another area. So many different areas of where this comes into play for us that we get to look at and be like, okay, how are we relating to this? And who's feeling overwhelmed? Who's feeling overburdened? Who's feeling, you know, like it's not theirs to handle?
0: Yeah, it's a question about how conscious do we want to be about the choices we're making as a couple and what responsibilities fall on which person without examining how they got there and and why we're choosing that. And what do we really want to choose?
1: Where do you think a lot of couples get stuck in terms of this conversation?
0: Well, I think that we enter any new relationship with patterning from the past, whether it's childhood or adulthood or both. And that patterning creates predetermined automatic beliefs about what we're responsible for and how we navigate mutual responsibility. And so this goes to what you were talking about culture and how a lot of messaging, especially for little girls can be around, you know, your job is to be supportive or to be in an assistant kind of role not to be in charge hmm. to look good to act nice you know that kind of thing and boys get messaging that's not necessarily all that helpful to prepare for this that we're talking about today either but um there are some different cultural memes that are i think pretty consistent maybe they vary a little bit within microcultures but but pretty consistent messaging
1: yeah definitely You know, stepping into this relationship with you, there was this really strong tendency to be like, oh, okay, so like, how can I help make Will's life better at home kind of thing? And Mm -hmm. there was, it felt like a real, it feels like a real desire for me. Like, I really want to have our home and you and Biggie Smalls or our little shorky dog and whoever else is here to feel really welcome and nourished and yummy. And I think that, you know, sometimes that kind of cultural programming can automatically take over. And so then I'm doing stuff around the house where it's like, we're not actually in the we conversation about it. We're in the more I conversation about it. Like if I want the house to feel organized and good to my system, then I have to take care of that versus being like, Mm -hmm. okay, how do you and I, create that together because it's a need and desire of mine.
0: Right. I'm so grateful that you care about that. And I think what we're talking about is the mutuality of inventory of what our desires or values are, and then a conscious choice of how we're going to blend those together and, and fulfill what's important to both of us.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: For me, there's coming out of um, childhood I want to share a brief story to illustrate the point of where I came from. That as a firstborn white Anglo-Saxon Protestant boy, a wasp, you know, I was born into a lot of privilege. And inside the family, just to illustrate the point, there was a one of my grandmother's sisters was a sculptor and she liked to sculpt the the bust of every child in the family. And the boys who went over to her studio to sit. To give her what she needed to sculpt the busts,
1: like you would just sit in a chair and just sit there while she's doing it. You sit in a
0: chair, maybe go have a grilled cheese sandwich. Come back down, sit in the chair. The girls who went over there to have their bust done were told by my great aunt, "Okay, and now let's go do some vacuuming."
1: <laughs> really?
0: I shit you not.
1: Wow. Like during, like after the bust or during the bust or, yeah.
0: After, during.
1: Like they were required to do some housework. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow.
0: And my great aunt operating inside of that patriarchal perspective was reinforcing and upholding this patriarchal position, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure from her positive intent was coming from, hey, I'm trying to help these girls have a good life Mm -hmm. to know what to do. But when we talk about it today in 2023, it's almost kind of appalling, right? It almost sounds abusive,
1: right. right? Right, absolutely. That is a great story to illustrate it. And it's having me think about my childhood. And I don't even know if this is true or not, but it's what I recall when I was younger is it around finances and like who's responsible for earning income and making financial decisions. And what I re- remember, whether it's true or not, I'll have to check in with my parents about this, but I really remember my mom having opinions about it. But I think it was really my dad who was like somehow defaulted to to the final decision maker around finances. And also they both had income, but I think that there was more pressure in general for my dad as the man to make sure that everybody was taken care of financially. And so it's not surprising that inside of our partnership, I can feel a default mode in my system for some crazy reason to think that you might know more about financial, like the right things to do financially. <laughs> you know, Which
0: is, I mean, with your background and your education and, you know, your work with mergers and acquisitions and working in companies, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous if you know pe- the listener who is hearing this doesn't understand the context necessarily. Right, right, <laughs> like, right how vast your experience is more than mine in looking at finances. It's quite different.
1: Right. And it's still like a strong default in me of being like, well, Will probably knows the best thing to do. And I I catch it. So it's not like I'm operating from it, which is great. And I think what I really love about this mutual responsibility is that if we're really truly practicing it, we're actually harnessing the collective intelligence of you and I versus a default to one person's limited knowledge,
0: Right. This is where covering each other's blind spots and weak spots is so powerful. And it it really shifts things from that silo approach we were talking before where the person who's in the silo who quote unquote knows more, right? Right. Who's who's in charge of something has all kinds of blind spots that aren't getting noticed or cared for by the other person, and vice versa.
1: Right. Absolutely and there's also inside of this a responsibility to give that kind of feedback of like you know hey i think you have a blind spot here and i think that we don't have enough information and that can be hard to hear at sometimes but i can mm-hmm. tell you that when i get to get the your challenges your loving challenges to me about my blind spots it's one of the most important ways that i get to grow and change and do something different
0: same here we just had one of those the other day what was that Well, it's another example. Do we want to go to the next example?
1: Sure, let's do another example. We hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a quick break to let you know about a gift we created for you and your partner. We compiled our top 10 relationship agreements, agreements that have been so powerful in supporting the success of our partnership that we even turned them into our wedding vows. These agreements help us stay connected, growing, and thriving as a couple, and they've been critical to help us create a kind of we that's way beyond what we've ever experienced before. You can download this free gift at kristavanderveer.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-E-E-R.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, it would be so meaningful to us if you left us a rating and review. Not only does it help others find us, but it gives us critical feedback on how we're doing. Thanks in advance, and now back to the episode.
0: All right. Well, this was, we had some friends over last week for dinner, and we had a little rupture the next day. (laughs) Yeah. And what was showing on the surface was kind of subtle, but the underneath was really powerful and Transformative when we unpacked what was being shown to us. And it had to do with this. Well, you raised, do you want to talk about the, do you want to share the question that came up for you? Or
1: I think I know what you're talking about. So I operate really well when there's a time boundary, meaning like we're starting at this time and we're going to end at this time. And partially because I can show up better, I can feel more engaged. I know there's going to be an end time. So I can like, you know, let myself down a little bit. And so when one of our friends mentioned that they also have a time boundary, Will, you said, uh, oh, I guess, I guess only the cool kids do time boundaries. Cause he had made fun of me previously about having a time boundary and kind of like, you know, poo-pooed it and in some form. And I was like, oh, so your wife must be a really cool kid. And you're like, I don't know if she is or not. Is that what you're talking about? (laughs) Are you talking about that example? Are you talking about something else?
0: That's what I'm talking about.
1: Okay. So basically there's this like underlying messaging to me that comes out in these very subtle ways of like, there's something that is wrong with you versus there's something intelligent about what you're needing. Right. And so this was another example of where that came out.
0: Yeah. So it's tender to talk about, but there's still operating in me, this younger injured solo, we call this part, the Lone Ranger that has a core belief that collaboration is dangerous and really only distracts or detracts from the result that the Lone Ranger can accomplish Mm
2: -hmm. by
0: himself. And that perception was accurate, I think, at a certain time in my life, but it's not at all accurate now. It's the Mm -hmm. opposite of what's true. And so, coming back to this conversation about mutuality and responsibility, the... Lone Ranger part of me, and this comes from, we've talked a little bit about IFS, internal family systems in the past. It's a super useful framework for working with these injured parts of ourselves and without going into shame or blame, just acknowledgement that here's a part of me that got me through a lot of difficult times in my life in the past, but isn't mature enough or wise enough or relaxed enough or healthy enough to navigate what the opportunity is right now with you right so your willingness to step in and help me be responsible for the lone ranger changes everything for me because i've worked with this part of myself for decades and i haven't been able to relax enough around how shameful it feels to have that be a part of me Mm. to begin to see the wisdom in it and to begin to integrate the value, and really acknowledge the the journey that that part of me has been on. Mm-hmm. And so, having your support and challenge, and we want to be clear, we're not talking about like, oh, you poor thing, you have this part of you, or, oh, I'll never say anything challenging or difficult to that part of you. We're not saying that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. We're just talking about joining together in the holding of and the inquiry about this part.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I would imagine that most of us have some sort of part that has a similar thinking of like, I can do this, I can do this better. So why would I ever want to give this into the over to the hands of anybody else? And mm-hmm. a very soloed I space, like I, I'm finding that the kind of we that we're talking about and entering into and taking responsibility for historically has not been the kind of framework that people are growing up in and learning how to do life in.
0: I think there are families where children, I can think of some of our friends and their children are getting to have a different experience where they're taught that mutuality and shared responsibility is a norm that we can learn about as children.
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: But I think that's still very rare in what People are being the cards people are getting dealt in their childhoods.
1: Yeah, I'm super inspired by how some of our friends are doing this, and I think more for our generation or maybe the you know the generations that's followed us hasn't had access to that. And I want to talk a little bit about the challenges here because I think you're starting to bring some of the challenges up of the the we mutual responsibility perspective. And one is this part where it's like I can do this better, so I'll just take care of it. Kind of perspective which I think this is generalizing, but in a couple where there's a male and a female specifically, I think that it's often the female who might overburden herself with going back to the roles and responsibilities of the household roles or raising the children. And in part, there's a big issue about perfectionism inside of inside of some of our mindsets of like, well, this needs to be done, needs to be done perfectly. So I'm just going to do it anyway. And we're not actually inside of a a we conversation about it. I also think that one of the challenges inside of partnerships to do this kind of mutual responsibility is when there are challenges, you know, we use the trash can example before, but challenges when there's not the right systems in place to actually support doing it this way or the right conversations. Like you said about this part of you, like it's really hard to do a we if we're not holding that part together.
0: I'm glad you brought up the perfectionism and the sort of cultural training around household. And so on my side of the we, I could relate to that as well, she's just a perfectionist. I can never meet that standard. So fuck it, I'm not even gonna try. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or I could, as a child of a feminist mother, I could subordinate to the perfectionism and keep trying harder and harder and harder and harder and never meet the standard, because it's not meetable for you or for me. Totally. So I could do either one of those polarities, or I think what we're talking about here is having a different conversation about like, well, wait a second, I don't know if this perfectionism is good for you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like it's good for me either. Let's forge a path together to decide how we're going to prepare the home when people are coming over.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. Because I could say on my side, there's a part of me, like the part of you, the Lone Ranger, that is not operating from a super healthy place. She gets stressed out. She goes into go mode, which in go mode, it's like, I'm not really available to make contact (laughs) It's like
0: I've noticed that <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm running around and I'm not asking for help and I'm just like but that's not actually how I want to be that's not where I want to be living from. And the times that you and I before guests have come over to be like okay, so how do we want the house to feel? How do we want the house to look? How are we going to do this together has been a very different experience. I agree. I
0: I like that experience a lot better than either trying to keep up with the perfectionist or just um, getting in my phone and quietly judging you for running around with your head cut off.
1: Right. And then when you get on your phone, I'm judging you for like being on your phone (laughs) and not like, you know, seeing the things that need to be picked up and all the things that need to be done. So it's like this just kind of silly rat hole that we can get into. But there's another thing that I think that also becomes a challenge inside of attempting to do this kind of mutual responsibility, which is and I think it'd be helpful for you to talk about this because of the, the psychological phenomena that might be going on there. You know, let's say that you have your list of things to do at the house and the list of things isn't getting done. And I'm we talk about it and it's like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then we talk more about it because it's not getting done. And then I'm just kind of like, screw it. Like this sucks. I feel this feels awful. He says he's going to do it. He doesn't do it but there's no malintent on your side. It's just that like you're tracking a gazillion other things with either the businesses or your social schedule or whatever it is that you're tracking. And so these things aren't getting done. And I'm just using you and me as an example. I'm not saying this actually happens with us a lot, but I see it happen a lot inside of partnerships.
0: Right. Well, I think the big thing is how are we going to relate to not getting something done that we said we were going to (laughs) do Because obviously, trust is eroded when we don't keep our commitments. Right. So again, if we look at this challenge through the lens of mutuality and interpersonal dependent or interpersonal responsibility, then we're both responsible for that task getting done, even if it's on some individual's list, right? Right. And so then we can have that question or that conversation about what are the systems that we need to put in place for this to actually work better, like the garbage, for example.
1: Right, absolutely.
0: When I'm working with a a team member at work who in our weekly meeting has missed the deadline to get the thing done, whatever it is, something simple even, then we talk about it. You know, it sounds like you don't have what you need to get this task done on time Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. and we have this agreement that's based on this way of relating that mm-hmm. you and I have been talking about on the podcast of we're both responsible for your success. So when it's a really important thing on a deadline at work, it's like, well, I need to hear from you if you're going to have trouble meeting this deadline.
1: Exactly. Yeah. What about when there's an actual challenge? Just to say, just use an example, like somebody has ADHD and they're literally really challenged in even keeping to the systems that are there to support them.
0: Well, I think in the couple where one person is dealing with ADHD, let's just say they have actual diagnosable ADHD. I think the question for the couple is what quality of life do we want to have? What kind of experience do we want to have? Are we going to kind of collapse back into this person has a disability and it's biological and there's no hope of that changing? And so we need to make accommodations in the relationship to
1: mm-hmm.
0: sort of lower our expectations of what's possible here.
1: Totally. Yeah. In
0: terms of mutuality. I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose that if I was in that right. relationship. Right. Some people might, but I wouldn't because I know that when you put the right supports in place, even with significant ADHD, you can elevate the bar of how you function relationally. Mm-hmm. It takes, I mean, the real challenge with ADHD is staying organized and that often means challenges with keeping commitments. So all of these tools around executive functioning, being able to manage and keep your life organized can have a huge impact and, and benefit for people. Yeah. So I think it's important when we face like a, a medical diagnosis to not, or psychological However, the case may be to review what you care, what kind of relationship you want to have, and not the other way around. Where okay, now we have, let's say, depression, and so therefore, here's what our relationship's going to be.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm so grateful that you're bringing that up. I, I know that in previous relationships where there's been similar challenges to what you're speaking to, there has been in my system a like, okay, these are the cards that were dealt with, and how do we or how do I contend with not having the kind of relationship that I imagine and that I really want because of this? It was kind of a collapse inside of that versus a really deep, honest conversation about, okay, here are our challenges. And how are we deciding to move forward together to create what we actually both want and need inside of that instead of the collapse that you were talking about?
0: Yeah, and there, there might be very real challenges as we age, right? I mean, people break legs, they can't go for walks for a while, that's real, you know. Mm.
1: Or something like dementia. Yeah,
0: dementia, Yeah, um, having a, a brain injury or something. So there are real things that we have to face and integrate into how we're going to perceive possibilities in our lives. But my vote would always to be putting the inspired quality that we're wanting first and then fit the challenges into that as opposed to the other way around.
1: Yes, I love that, yeah. Now, for those of the people who are like, well, why wouldn't we just be like living, why don't we just do the I thing inside of a partnership? Like, why don't I just go do my thing and you do your thing and we have dinner together and it's great and you know, we are kind of on different schedules and that's fine too. What would you, how would you on your side of our we communicate to our audience, to the people and the person who's listening right now, what would you say to them about the benefits of really working with your partner to have a different kind of relationship around true responsibility and mutuality?
0: Well, it goes back to something that we really believe in, which is we can do more than I can. And it might be easier for people to imagine the following scenario where you have a business and the leader is in this more I mentality where the, the founder or the CEO takes all the credit and all the blame for what happens in terms of the annual results of the company. And there are collaborators involved who don't feel like they are in this collaborative arrangement yeah. with the founder. Yeah. So they're not as bought in, they don't have skin in the game. They don't feel as much a part of what's going on. And so maybe another way to put it is if you have a, a basketball team where five people only care about their own stats and everybody's trying to get 20 points a game on average try to get to the all-star game. And there's not an approach of, hey, if the team wins, I win. Yeah, It's more like I need to win for me. Mm-hmm. We've seen this happen in... I love professional basketball. So you see it <laughs> happening in teams that have gone out and literally bought some of the best players in the world and they can't win a championship because they don't play well together. Yeah. And it's that's exactly what we're talking about here. So my own personal experience is that having this arrangement with you allows our we to have a much bigger impact in the world, which is just important to us. And goes way beyond what either one of us could ever do it, if we were in the kind of arrangement where we just, you know, were in silos and came and had dinner together at the end of the day or something like that.
1: Absolutely. I so love how you just articulated that. I've done it the other way, obviously, and this is the first time that I've really done it this way. And I can say that as a person who cares about, like you're saying, impact in the world, providing value, having really deep connected relationship that this way of doing things is like it's like almost like finally i found my home my groove my team I found a way to really bring ourselves forward expressing ourselves talking about our desires and needs and really working as a team to meet those and thus we can do more in the world together just like you're saying it's deeply satisfying to do relationship this way I love hearing that. It is for me too. And challenging
0: too in certain ways, but I wouldn't want anything else.
1: Me neither. So happy to be doing this with you. Mm -hmm. So for those who are interested in this, and for you, the person who's listening right now, the invitation to you right now is to really look to see where in your relationship does it feel like there's not a lot of mutual responsibility or mutuality. And I think self-awareness is the first step here to be like, oh, like there's this thing that happens between us that we're actually not really talking about and it doesn't feel equal or it doesn't feel mutual or we don't have the same kind of decision-making power around this thing. And to look to see if that actually works for you and it might work for you. But if there's another possibility that would have you feel more inspired and engaged and excited, then that could be a first step towards having a conversation about it. What would you say, Will, about that?
0: I would add that there might be listeners who really resonate with this mutuality within their own partnership, but maybe it's been a while since you examined certain areas in your relationship that have fallen into more of a automatic pattern of, you know, one person picking up the slack and not having a feeling of mutual responsibility in that particular area. So the invitation would be to go go looking for those spots.
1: Enjoy your journey of looking and we'll connect with you next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow the show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If the show has sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at Art of We Podcast.
0: And we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together like butter and toast on The Art of We.